and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. All right, good evening. Take your Bibles to John 16 is where we will start. So I don't know if you guys have seen on the news, it's probably the only good news or uh, not bad news at least in the past few weeks that I've seen. And it's kind of an interesting thing. For the first time ever, this is a history, record-breaking history in the making kind of thing, a private company is putting somebody, is trying to get somebody on the moon. So SpaceX is, has successfully gotten astronauts into space this couple weeks ago now, or a little under two weeks. That's really awesome, and it kind of opens up all these different avenues and with a partnership with NASA and with other countries, and it's kind of an interesting thing. It's something you can look at yourself, but what they're really trying to do is build a base on the moon. Now, uh, it's kind of silly in some ways, but they're trying to explore space, trying to go to Mars, all these things, and they think the moon would be a good idea to have a base on it. Now, there's a lot of challenges, though, with building a base on the moon. One of the main challenges is the, the moon does not have an uh, atmosphere, and it's one-sixth the uh, gravity of Earth. So what happens is the challenge is just by being in space, really, but being on the moon, the, the astronauts' bone density and their muscles just deteriorate. And so what they have to do is work out hours every single day just to maintain muscle mass, just to maintain that... Uh, bone density. It's kind of interesting to think about because on Earth we have healthy pressure from our atmosphere and healthy pressure from the gravity that helps us to keep our bone density and keep our muscle mass. If we're standing, if we're walking, if, you've, if, you've, if you're recovering from an injury, you really feel it, but when you're just going around normal Earth, you get you have all this pressure around you that's actually healthy and helpful to you to remain healthy. And just by walking, you get the benefits of it. Uh, tonight, I'm going to be talking about stress. I'm going to be talking about pressure. And the, uh, we're going to be looking in the Word of God, what God's Word says about pressure. And I have some good news. Uh, you know, most people, when they think about pressure, they think really negatively. But God's Word has some really great things to help us to not only be positive when we're in pressure, but also to overcome that pressure, that mental pressure and that stress that we may be put under in this world, either from external forces or internal forces, things we put ourselves through. Um, there is... a a, a TED Talk documentary, and I, I wanted to point this out. There was a lady, she's a psychologist or something, and um, she studied the effects of stress on people. And for 10 years, she did this whole dissertation that stress is bad. Stress kills people. Stress is the enemy. But then they started doing, over the past few years, doing these studies that it's actually how the people, the patients or the, uh, under the study, 
viewed the stress that they were under. You ever notice that there's people that will put their bodies under extreme stress and say, wasn't that fun? Wasn't that awesome? Where when you look at it, you go, I would never do it. Why would you do something like that? Why would you train for a marathon or train for you know, something that's just so crazy? Why would you even do that? That stress that they put themselves under gives, it puts them in the healthy shape to accomplish the goal that they have. So it's not so much the stress that kills people, so to speak. They found that it's actually how the people reacted. And they did this study where they would put them through this stress test. But before they put them through it, they would tell them, stress is actually good. It is your heart rate is, is increasing to give blood to your body and your breath is increasing to bring oxygen to your brain so that you can perform the tasks that you've been assigned to do, that, you, that you're about to do. And when you look at it that way, it really does make a difference. It really does make the difference of what stress can do to you and for you and how you can benefit from stress and be strong while you're under pressure and then remain strong and get stronger. We're going to be going, uh, starting in John 16, I had you turn there. Uh, we're going to be looking at this word mainly through this, just going through a word tribulation in the Bible. And that tribulation means mental pressure or stress is what in our vernacular, in our day and age, that stress that's put upon you. And it could be stress of a deadline that you have to make, or it could be stress of you know, decisions you have to make, or all kind of stress. And stress, there's no getting around it. I, that's, there's no way around that. I wish there was in some ways, but I got some good news. Through this stress, we can remain strong, we can remain positive, and we can be overcome any stress that comes our way. And that's what we're going to be going through. This Greek word is the Greek word thlipsis, and it comes from a Greek word that means to crush grapes. That's what it means, to crush grapes, so to feel that pressure, to feel that pressure. In John chapter 16, we'll start in verse, to get some context, we'll start in verse 20. It says in verse 20, Jesus Christ is talking about, look, I'm about to have to leave. I'm about to have to go, and you're going to be sad. Like It's going to be pretty sad. It's going to be a lot of pressure, but I'm going to come back and there's going to be a bunch of joy. That's what he's telling them. They're kind of like, what is he talking about? So this is him saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow. When she's giving birth, when a woman's giving birth, hath sorrow. Because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish. And that's that Greek word that's translated tribulation. Anguish. That mental pressure. The baby's born. She forgot all the work that she did. All the pressures. Because the baby's there. He's talking specifically. Okay, uh, for, joy, for joy that a man is born into the world. He's talking specifically about himself in this to explain to them that he's going to die, but then he's going to come back. It's going to be really bad, like really sorrowful, and there's going to be some really lamenting, and, but then he's going to come back three days and three nights later, as we know. So turn, go down to verse 33. These things have 
I have spoken unto you. This is Jesus Christ talking. He's still going through and he's explaining to them these things that he just explained. I've spoken that you might have a bunch of anxiety. No. A bunch of fear. No. No, that you may have what? Peace. peace. They may have peace. I'm telling you this that you may have peace. In the world, you shall have tribulation. You will have pressure in the world. Just like the astronaut that goes into space and comes back in, they feel that there's pressure. You're going to have pressure no matter what. No matter what you believe, no matter who you are, no matter where you are in the world. Even outside the world, they have pressure up there too. You know, they have things that they have to decide and things that are life-threatening and all these kind of things. They have pressure. You can't get away from it. So, that's it. That's the end. There's nothing you can do. Just to let you know, that's, there's, there's just pressure. You know, nothing, nothing we can do about it. No. But be of good cheer. Uh, thank God for that. We can be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, the world in this is not talking about the earth. It's not talking about, you know, the satellites in orbit. It's talking about the things that the evil of the world is talking about the devil who's the god of this world he's overcome all his stuff he overcome all his power all the things that he had jesus christ overcame that and most of our pressure will come from the adversary especially if you're walking with god and standing for god it'll come from the adversary or you know from just the way that the world is designed the world you ever wondered like you may not be tempted by something like uh you may not you may not be tempted with eating a lot of sweets, but the second you decide that you're not going to eat sweets, how come sweets is all you want? You know what I mean? Like, why is that the case? Every time, it's like every single time that seems like that happens, or whatever it may be, you make a commitment to something, and it's like, oh, you know, well, I won't do, you know, it's, it's easier to not do that. And so, I'm gonna, so you have all this pressure, this mental pressure. And that's how the adversary works. He tries to make people not do the word through pressure, through pressure. Uh, take your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians. We're going to see some examples tonight of people who stood in the face of, of pressure, in the face of tribulation, of this mental pressure, of this stress that was put on them. What they did that we can do as well uh, from their example and the effects of what they did. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. The book of Thessalonians is the first book written in the New Testament. It's written, it's got the hope in it. It stands last in the church epistles because it talks about the hope. Uh, but it is, it is written to the believers in Thessalonica. They needed to be able to stand. They needed help through the tribulation that they were going through. And that's what we're going to look at a little bit through their example. It says in verse 6 is where we'll go. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, in verse 5, in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much happy times. No. No, it says affliction. There was serious, it says much affliction. It was not just like, Oh, normal pressure that everybody feels, that's when you receive the word. They received it under very intense times, and we'll be seeing that in the book of Acts. Uh, well, I'll finish this uh, 
it says, received the word in much joy, in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. They were still able to receive it with joy in that pressure. They were still able to receive it and believe it. They believed it. So that you became, you were examples, verse 7, to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. Not only did they receive the word, they spoke it. In that pressure, the pressure was high and heavy on them, they still spoke the word. And we'll see that in Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, we'll see the record of Paul, Silas, and Timothy going to Thessalonica or Thessalonica. There's two different ones that I know of that you can pronounce it. Uh, tomato, tomato, you know. Now, when they had passed through, the verse 1, Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Now, this is kind of interesting. Three Sabbath days are three Saturdays. It could be as little as 15 days, because if you have three weeks in a row, like if you came in on a Sunday, then you had Sabbath, and then the Sabbath, and the Sabbath, you'd have about 15 days. Or if you came in the week before, right after the Sabbath, you have five days here, five days here, so you could have about 15 to 25 days. So not very long that they were there. They weren't there for years like Paul had been in other places. It just says three Sabbath days, so it's not, you know, it doesn't say exactly, but not a, not a long amount of time. They reasoned with them out of the Scripture. They, they went to, to the Word. They showed the Word. And what did they show? Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. You know, they, I, I tell you this, so you may have peace. You know, I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus Christ said. Risen again, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. He's the Messiah. This is the, this is the Messiah. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks a great multitude and of the chief women, not a few. So a bunch of people got in the word from their speaking about God speaking about Jesus Christ and the power that Jesus Christ made available. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy. They were not happy that these guys were believing and leaving their synagogue and going to another, following Paul and Silas and all that stuff. They moved with envy and took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. You know, you know the fellows we're talking about, you know. Uh, these are, you know, the kind of uh, crooked people. They, people they, they took them, and guess what they did? And gathered a company and set all the city in an uproar. They set them in a riot. There was a mob in this city. Why? Because these guys, and they're about to explain why why'd they do this. You know, these guys were awful, what they were doing. What Paul and Silas and Timothy, this is awful what they did. It says, the gathered company set all the city in uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. So they go into this believer's house and they bust through the door and they steal, they snatch him out and they bring him outside. 
And when they found them not, they're looking for Paul. They're looking for his companions. They drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, this is what they did, oh no. These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. You know what they did? They spoke the word. The world is upside down. They spoke the word and turned it right side up. And everybody's all, you know, like dizzy from how awesome that, the way that God designed life to be. That's what they did. And these guys are really angry. These guys are really, it's stirred up the religious equilibrium and all the order of the thing. And they made a mob out of it. They, they went to these guys and they said, hey, follow me. Let's go stir up some trouble. And, you know, the lewd fellows from the baser sort, they're always looking for trouble anyway. <laughs> it says, and, and whom Jason hath received, this guy Jason, and these also do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. Now, all they did was they came in and they talked about Jesus Christ, how he's the Messiah, and that through him you could have power, because we noticed that they didn't come with just word only, they came with power. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night into Berea, who coming thither went into the hotel and got a massage. <laughs> no, what does it say? They went to the synagogue of the Jews and they spoke the word again. They just kept speaking the word. The same thing that was causing them all this pressure, all this mental pressure. Imagine the mental pressure when you know that your friend, Jason, a believer you witnessed to, his house got assaulted and they pulled him out looking for you. Think about the mental pressure of that. That you know that this whole stir is because you're speaking God's word. Not because they, they're saying, oh, he's Caesar, they're saying there's another king other than Caesar. They're just trying to find reasons to do this. But they're just stirring up the spiritual darkness, the evil that's going on. So they go to Berea and they continue there. And these guys follow them and there's just a bunch of pressure. Pressure follows Paul. It's kind of interesting to see. And we're, now we're going to see Paul's example. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, again, in, ver, in chapter 3, we're going to see that their stand through this mental pressure, through this stress, the Thessalonians' stand was able to comfort other believers who were also standing through the same thing and how we can do the same with our stance. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, we'll start in verse 3. That no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. That this stuff's going to happen. If you're standing for something, especially against the adversary, you're going to get mental pressure. This stuff's going to try to take you out, try to make you stop doing this. That's what the adversary uses as pressures to take you out, to try to get you to stop speaking the word, to helping people. That's the thing that's going to make a difference in the world. That's the thing that turned the world upside down. Not starting a riot, not protesting, not all this stuff. It was speaking God's word. It was standing on the word of God, teaching about Jesus Christ and the good news that he came to bring. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as, I, even as it came to pass, and you know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and your labor be in vain. But now when Timotheus came from you, 
unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith, your believing and love, the love of God, and that you have good remembrance of, of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction, that mental pressure and distress by your faith, by your believing. By your believing God's word and standing on God's word, it comforted the men who taught them the word. They didn't want to teach the word to people and then know that they're under a huge amount of tribulation and pressure and all this stuff's going on around them and that those guys just fizzle out. They were praying for them. They, you know, It says in the first chapter that they were praying for them. Every time they think about them, they're praying for them and they want the best for these Thessalonian believers. He sent Timothy. Timothy said, these guys are standing so strong. They're speaking the word. They're moving the word. And no matter what anybody's doing or saying to them. Great examples. So now we'll see Paul, the things that gave Paul the ability to stand in, that, in those situations. Take your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, sorry, chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. There's no way out of the mental pressure. That's, there's just no way. There's, you can't get around it. The, you know, just as the earth has pressure on us, the, bar- the, the pressure of the atmosphere and the gravity and all this stuff, there's no way you can get, get away. If you can try to get to the moon, you're still not getting away from the pressure that we're under, that we have to face. But we can face it with God. We can face it with these principles of believing God's word and with the power that Jesus Christ made available to overcome all the adversity we may face. Chapter 1, verse 3. Second, Second Corinthians, if I said first, I'm sorry. Second Corinthians, chapter... That's a great one, too. First Corinthians 1, 3 is good, too. But Second Corinthians 1, 3 says, blessed be, the God, blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that mental pressure. God comforts us that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. That's the same Greek word, tribulation, mental pressure. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So we can be comforted by God so much that we can comfort other people so that they can in turn comfort other people and comfort us as well. Because it comes from God. That comfort comes from God. And the things that we can get comfort from are one of the, the main things is the hope of Christ's return. Turn to chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. The hope of Christ's return is so important to think about, so important during these afflictions, these mental pressures, this stress that we have to live under to remember that Christ could come back, to not be, um, not just look at the, the, what you see right in front of you, but to look at the spiritual truths. And we'll see that here and what, this is what Paul did. Paul, by revelation, wrote this. This is what he practiced. In chapter 17 of chapter, of chapter 4, verse 17, for our light affliction. So that's that same Greek word for, um, for that mental pressure, that stress. Our light affliction is what he said, which is but for a moment. It's just for a tiny time in comparison with eternity worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. 
For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And it's talking about looking to the things of God, looking to the spiritual truths, the hope of Christ's return. You know, he said our light affliction. Now, I have never been stoned. I have never been whipped. He was whipped 195 times on his, like, they'd rip, they'd, for speaking the word or healing somebody, they'd rip his clothes off, tie him to a pole, and they'd beat him. And they'd hit him with rod and all the stuff. He lists it in, later on in this, in this book, in chapter 11, if you want to read. It's not light from our point of view. But if you look at it from the spiritual point of view, he was still moving the word. He would go back into the places where he was beaten and speak the word to comfort the people that were like praying for him, that knew that he was in jail because he spoke the word to them. Paul had that, he had that believing and he was able to be comforted by the hope and comfort others. Another thing that we can be comforted by, the word says, is by manifestations. It says that we... The edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's what speaking in tongues with interpretation and prophecy give us. So when we're in a fellowship meeting and we're hearing manifestations, that's time where we can be comforted by God. Those are words for us in this room to hear, to get blessed. Take your Bibles to Romans 5. Romans 5. It's kind of... It's, it's about how you're looking at it. Once again, just pointing out, it's how you're looking at the pressure. The pre pressure is not good. It's not really fun. But if you know that this pressure, you can be strong during the pressure and you can remain, it just makes you more strong by standing. Then you're able to stand through more and you're able to continue. Romans 5. It says, verse 3. Uh, verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Now that kind of sounds weird, like glory in tribulations, like, oh, bring all the tribulations on me. I love all. No, it's not saying that. It's saying during those times we can still re we can look to God and we can glory that we're able to stand through that, that we're able to fight through that. And then there's, there's benefits of it, of standing. Uh, we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation works patience. As you stand, you become more patient. And patience worketh experience. And patience experience, and experience hope. And hope makes not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. We're all going to have pressure. We're all going to have this mental pressure and this stress on our lives, on our minds, but we can still stand. And as we stand, we get stronger and we get more patient and we get more, we're able to walk with God even more and we're able to just be more strong for God. It's, it's really an amazing thing. Like I said, how many people train for a triathlon, you know, a Iron Man, it's like, why would you do that? It's torture. It's all that stress on your body and your mind. So that they can, that's their goal. Our goal is to move God's word, is to really help people with the things of God and teach people about Jesus Christ. Teach him that, how he overcame the world the way he did and how we can too. And that's where we'll go to in Romans 8. Romans 8. In chapter 8, verse... 35. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's a rhetorical question. Nobody, nobody can. But here's some things that, that people might think they would, that would separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation? That's the first one listed. That's that mental pressure. Is that going to separate us from the love of Christ? No. And it goes on to say, what about distress? What about persecution? What about famine? What about nakedness? What about peril? What about sword? What about all these bad things? There's all this stuff that gets thrown at us. Will that separate us from the love of Christ? No. Uh, verse 37, we'll skip down. Nay, in all these things we are a little less than conquerors. No. No, more than conquerors. When Jesus Christ said, I have overcome the world, that's the same Greek word. From the sa it's derived from the same one. Hooper Nikeo is what this is. Super conquerors through him that loved us. So we can conquer this stuff because of the love that we have. Because of the love that God loved us with and Jesus Christ loved us with and that we can walk in that same love. Uh, take your Bibles to chapter 12 of Romans. Chapter 12. It says in verse, verse 12, rejoicing in hope. You know, that's, that's a really good theme, rejoicing in hope. Christ, when Christ comes back, we'll have perfect bodies and perfect minds. We won't have to deal with any of this stuff. That's something to think about. That's something that when you're going through stress, when you're going through this stuff, the day-to-day -day stress and the big life pressures, Christ could come back. If he comes back, I don't have to deal with this. It makes making the decisions a lot easier. It makes that light affliction lighter, that affliction a lot lighter on you. Uh, rejoice in hope. Patient in tribulation. So we can be patient in tribulation. It says it works patience, but we can also be patient. Continuing instant in prayer. Being instant in prayer. Continuing to pray. And then it goes down and it says... Be not overcome, in verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And that's that same Greek word, nikeo, that I have overcome the world. And we'll close in 1 John. In 1 John chapter 4, it says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We've overcome the... the principalities, the powers, the darkness, the evil of this world because of Jesus Christ. And we have that spirit within us. So we can go into our lives and we can walk with great power and great ability, walking with God and overcoming all that stress. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.